The Baggies Podcast, giving you the latest news, views and opinions on all things Albion. Now available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hello Albion fans and welcome back to another episode of The Baggies Podcast. We're joined by a very special guest this week. I'm not alone, I'm joined by an international guest, I may say, an international Albion fan. I'm joined by Baden from WBA Canada. Baden, how are you doing mate? Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm, do- I'm doing really well. Honestly, it's fantastic to have you. Fantastic to get some international opinion on, on Albion. Obviously, we've, we've, been, we've been speaking to some content creators, but you are the first that we've had definitely from Canada. Um, Baden, you've obviously been doing some fantastic work with your WBA Canada stuff. Um, how did you sort of get into supporting West Bromwich Albion and how did that, how did that start off for you? So um, it's really simple. My mom's from West Bromwich and it's, it was sort of in a joking way, but not really. Um, she wanted, she was like, um, you got to cheer for West Brom else you're not living in my house. So it's just that simple. So you were, you'd say you were pretty forced into this, this sort of lifestyle in this, in this club, I'd say. Yeah, at first, it was definitely a force, but <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, it's, it really feels like you're a part of something and it's, it's unique for me because as you can probably imagine, there's not a lot of West Brom fans over here. So, Have you, have you met any West Brom fans in, in Canada at all? Or are you the, apart from your mom, of course, but have you, or are you the only one? Um, well, I, funny enough, I went to a soccer game for the Toronto FC, which is the local MLS club. And anyways, we're walking through the concourse um, at the uh, game. I think it's half, it was half time. And I walked past a guy wearing a bright yellow and green shirt. Yeah. So my immediate thought is, hold on, that's that's the seventies West Brom away yeah. kit. But then now you're sort of second guessing yourself, thinking, wait a minute, is it? It could be a Norwich shirt. It could be, you know what I mean? So we look. I look back, and the guy was wearing the WBA yeah. that kit, like the classic Cyril Regis sort of kit, right? Yeah. Um. And so I haven't really talked, we didn't end up interacting at all, but I have seen a few people um, just in odd places, but it's not something that I've really had a lot of interaction with other people because, you know, you just yeah. don't see it very often. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think you should have got, I think you should have approached him. I think you should have gone, oi, oi, mate, well, are you an Albion fan or something like that? Yeah, I know. I probably should have at the time, you know. <laughs> It was match day. I was buzzing, you know. You know yeah, how it is sometimes. Def- definitely. I mean, I've just, uh, you know, walking out of the, the game. I think I've just walked past about fifty people who are probably ex Albion players, and I've just sort of walked past them because yeah, you know yeah. it's like being being on a yeah. match day. And, and you, yeah. you've obviously been doing really well with your WBA Canada pages. Obviously, I'm interacting with a lot of fans over here and and, and in North America yeah. as well. When did you start doing that, and when did when did that start coming about for you? Um. Well, it kind of came up as something I was obviously bored we were in quarantine um and we were just promoted and that promotion it's really for the first time for me because I'm 18 years old I don't really have a lot of memories of past promotions and it's always been difficult to watch West Brom when we're in the championship um this is the first time I really got to watch them get promoted so it really felt this was the very first time I got to see them really achieve like yeah a winning season like that um so it 
it just, it really made me feel like I wanted to do something. And yeah. um, the goal was just to try and spread the fact that I'm a West Brom fan and interact with people. Um, I never thought I would be doing stuff like YouTube and talking to people like the American Throstle from Seattle, but it kind of yeah. just came about that way. Um, so, and it was just sort of a thing I wanted to do to kill some time. And then it sort of became more of just a, you know, yeah. more than just a thing to kill time. Yeah. And you've, you've been quite big talking about killing time. You've been quite busy over the past couple of weeks. You, you managed to talk to a man who um, a lot of West Brom fans will know quite well and who has a, a couple of affiliations with, with your nationality and, and your supporting club. But do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what you've been up to? Yeah. So it was, um, I came up like there was a real interest for me to getting into the YouTube thing, mm -hmm. but it was, it's difficult because I found it's, I tried the thing where you just talk to the camera and I just, I couldn't do it by myself. Yeah. Like I couldn't just be like, right. Hey everyone, this is what's going on. So I decided I want to get a couple people to interview. And I thought, of course, the first thought is players and former players, but it's not really, especially in Canada, it's not really something you can just reach out and say, yeah, I want to talk to you. You know what I mean? So I sent a lot of DMs, like a crazy amount. Um, and the first thing I really did was look into people who are Canadian who have affiliation with West Brom. Yeah. And mostly that's former players. So I think there was about three or four of them. Um, one of which was Paul Pesca Salido. Um, and he's from um, about an hour away from where I live right now. So it's like right close to home for me that mm -hmm. if I could talk to him, it would be great. So I found him on Twitter and messaged him, not really expecting much. And then a couple of days later, I got a response. Um, it's great because he... he He's from, obviously, the area I'm from, um, and he played for the, Tor the Toronto Blizzard, which is a, a former team that is probably the team I'd be supporting if they were still a team. Um, and it's obviously he played for West Brom, so it was, it was just that simple. And it was just an easy conversation to have because um, he's also played for Canada. And, um, yeah, it, I found a lot of similarities to his sort of story to mine because he loves soccer, but it's not necessarily like as big over here. So yeah, it was, it was really simple. Oh, well that's yeah. Well, listeners, if you do fancy uh, having a watch of Baden's interview with, with Pesca Salido, you can check the link out in the, in the description and obviously go and have a little watch of that. Cause I personally found it very interesting. Honestly, it was, it was really great to listen to that. But Baden, if we move on to move on to talking about Albion now and what, what the club is at the moment, obviously, Pre-season, I think, uh, before the season started, I think we were uh, looking relatively odds-on for relegation even before things started. Uh, how, what were your thoughts on sort of how you thought this season might go after the promotion? Um, well, first of all, there was a couple big gambles because we, we spent our money um, on Diangana and Robinson and we brought back Kravinovich. Um, and you never quite know what you're going to get from um, your stars in the championship. Um, we were gambling that they would really make that jump 
Um, obviously, there was also Carlin Grant, who had a great season last year with Huddersfield. Um, but I wasn't quite sure what to expect because I didn't quite think that we were going they were going to make that jump and it was going to be as good as it was last year. But I also thought um, if they can put if all it is is circumstances, if they could get it all together, I think they have enough to survive. Um, but the frustrating thing is it was apparent early on in the season that it wasn't that what we had wasn't enough to be in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. And were you pleased to see these signings come back? Because I felt at the time I was I was pretty over the moon with people like Dean Garner and even Carl mm-hmm. Grant, who obviously had really good seasons themselves in the championship last season. Were you pleased at the time? Obviously we're not so pleased now that we spent our money on those players perhaps, but did you were you were you, you know, pleased at the pleased when we first signed them? Um, yeah, I definitely was. I thought Dean Ghana was gonna make a big step this year. I even bought a Dean Ghana jersey, um, <laughs> which I, I totally regret now. But um, I th- it was all—they're young guys, and I think for a club like us, um, we're not gonna have the money ever to sign the stars of the Premier League. So the the only way you can really build a team is through your youth. Um, so it was, I was excited. I was particularly excited with Dean Ghana because I thought he was um, our marquee signing of the summer. And I thought um, he was going to take that big jump. And I didn't think West Ham was going to let him go. But um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think a lot of people were surprised. I mean, it was probably a bit of fault at, at their end really for letting for letting him go because I don't think that they were the manager or, or any of the players were particularly keen on letting a player like that go because he's obviously got lots of potential and he might grow up to be a, a really really great player but um yeah. do you think do you think perhaps we did enough signing wise or do you think that we should have brought in perhaps more players like we maybe have in January this year or do, do you think that that might have been enough for then or um we definitely needed more um um, the only player who I think really stepped into the role right off the bat was Sam Johnston. Because I think even Matthias Pereira, we've been singing the praise of him for the last couple of weeks because he's been playing phenomenal. But um, I generally think he's been quite poor this year. And I've taken a little bit of backlash for that one. But um, I think we could have done with, um, obviously we could have started the season with um, some of these like okay or, Maitland Niles, and I think we've really seen through January what the difference really was because I don't think um, Romain Sawyer's is good enough to be the Premier League centre mid that we hoped he would be, and I think um, Jake Livermore, to put it lightly, has uh, the mobility of a fifty-year-old man. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, probably, probably fair to be honest. Um, I mean, I've got more on the back of this shirt simply due to his, him being so good in the championship last year. But um, obviously, to, at the start of the season, we started uh, not great throughout those first couple of games. Obviously, we did, um, we did, we did play quite well against Chelsea. However, even though it ended up with a three-all draw, I think a lot of people would have taken a point against Chelsea in the first place. But um, Obviously, that was quite a difficult time. Was that? Was that? Um, were those games that you would have uh, thought maybe there's gl- a glimmer of hope for us, or was it sort of, oh, we're back to reality after that 
fantastic promotion? Um, I've always found with the club, we always seem to perform better against teams that are big, like Chelsea. And I found that this year, and you can see it in the results. Like we drew against um, Chelsea, we beat Chelsea, we drew with United, we drew with City, we drew with Liverpool. Um, and those games, obviously, you can't help but feel like there's a turning point. I really thought there was going to be a turning point um, when we tied with City at the Etihad, but then uh, obviously Bilic got sacked and Sam Allardyce came in and it sort of didn't work out right away because he didn't have the players he needed. Um, but I feel like the opportunity to stay in the Premier League you got to take your chances against the teams around you, not the teams. Because yeah. I sort of think of it as um, most of the teams you, who you're going to be around are going to lose to Manchester City, Manchester. So those games, obviously those points are nice to have, but the the points you really need to get are the points around around you and the points against teams who are sort of in the middle. Like um, I sort of think Aston Villa is at a point where they're sort of not quite an unbeatable team, but they're not quite like down in where West Brom is. So, yeah. and that's respect to them because I can't stand them, but <laughs> you know, they've set yeah. up well. Yeah. I think it's that thing where people know we, we sort of, know how to play against them those bigger teams because there's only really one way to play and you you play quite you play quite defensively and then you try and you try and break forward when you can but it's when we play these teams that we shouldn't be beating when we have to come out and play a bit nicer football when we have to actually play a bit of play a bit of football to try and to try and unlock these defenses i think that's when we sort of start to struggle if we go to the slaven bilic sacking obviously it was on a the day after quite a really good draw against Man City. I know that's quite a silly phrase to say it was a really good draw, but when you consider the quality of their players and what sort of money they have available to them, it was a really good result. Do you, do, did you sort of agree with Slaven Bilic's sacking at the time? I know a lot of people's opinions will have changed, but what did you think about the Slaven Bilic sacking when it, when it happened? Uh, I wasn't happy about it because... Um, uh, you just see his passion. I loved the passion of Slavin Bilic, the fact he would st stand the whole game and be supporting his team. Um, obviously, he did so well with us last year, um, considering the fact that I still don't think we had a proper striker last year, and yeah. um, we managed to get promoted. Um, and then even... He just is... The way he held himself, I mean... I like the fact he's a little bit younger as well. Like you see all these older guys, Sam Allardyce is included, the Roy Hodgson type. I like that he was just a little bit younger, um, and he could. And the players he brought in, like he brought in Pereira, and there was Diangana, and yeah. I always felt like he had such good connections um, with other, like with other clubs, and especially his Croatian connections. And he brought in players like Kravinovic, right? So yeah. that was the things that, that was frustrating for me. Um, and then you see Allardyce coming in and you sort of think, well, here we go again with the old, good old-fashioned English manager who's just going to try and play defense. And yeah. I thought it was going to be Pulis 2.0, to be fair. 
and obviously Bilic was a was a manager that quite a lot of people were fans of. I I was same as you really. I was pretty pretty annoyed at the time. I thought of, it was more the timing of things because if you were going to sack him, the time to do that was maybe after you'd lost five nil to five five one or whatever it was to Crystal Palace or something like that. Not yeah. after you was drawn with Man City, which is you know for most managers that's a real achievement. And uh, I think a lot of people were pretty saddened by it. Obviously, Allardyce's appointment came really quickly after that. Obviously, it's something yeah. that they've been organising behind the scenes. Yeah. You, you mentioned him playing a more defensive style. Did you think? Um, did you did you think much of that that managerial signing, or was it just sort of same old as we had with Pulis and Pardew? Well, um, first of all, I think the um, issue was again COVID because I think realistically, I'd imagine they had made the decision to fire Billich after that 5-1 loss, but yeah. couldn't bring in without all the protocols until after the city. So I'd imagine they probably left it the way it was um, just to get through those games and then they would move forward. I, like I said, I was, I, I wasn't impressed, but, um, Sam Allardyce has the reputation of keeping teams in the Premier League. So mm. I thought um, if he can keep us in the league and he can, and we can stay in the league and then next year we look and try and get a better manager, I'm 100% for that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think it was sort of like... If it gets us out of that trouble, then maybe it's maybe it's just about worth it for a little bit, and then we can go back to somebody like like Billich the next season afterwards. But it was it's sort of a bit difficult because a lot of clubs struggle with financially keeping themselves in, in the Premier League. Obviously, it's a huge goal to stay in the Premier League because of the money and stuff. But uh, you you know Norwich today they've they've gone up after keeping the same manager. Would you maybe taken going down with Billich and then having that rebuild with similar players and, and coming back up afterwards? I would have, but I don't think it was going to happen because I think Billich himself was at a breaking point where um, I don't think he was going to sign another contract extension. So I think he would probably have walked at the end of the year. Um, I obviously would have loved to have had him for another year because I thought he was a good coach. And like I said, the previous things, his passion and all of that. But I think um, he was, it was going to happen that he was going to leave. And I think um, when, like, especially when you hear stories, like after Hagezi was gone, he, he threatened to leave. Right. Like it just, it, it was doomed from like it wasn't gonna it wasn't ever gonna come to a point where he was gonna be the coach next year I think yeah I think yeah I think there were far too many clashes behind the scenes obviously I wouldn't say that's more towards Billich I think it's more towards the board I mean the Hegazi sale as you mentioned there was probably the the worst one for me just you know if he didn't want him to go then he shouldn't have then he shouldn't have left behind his back I think that was a pretty bad thing obviously Allardyce came in and he he didn't start very well. I think that was what surprised a lot of people. I think even if it meant we drew nil nil for the next five games, I think it would at least show a defensive perhaps improvement. But it didn't happen that way. We obviously started off with some pretty nasty batterings. Obviously, we did draw with Liverpool in there, but it didn't didn't start well. Why do you think Big Sam didn't quite get off to the start that you that that we all thought that maybe he would? Um, it came down to the players, um, and it's. It's an issue for whatever coach we had because um, 
they, we didn't put enough money in yeah. in the summer. And we didn't bring in players who were good enough to, to um, play um, in the Premier League. And I think they went through a system change, which is obviously when you're not, when you're already not good enough to be there. Yeah. You're not, you know, you're not going to fare much differently, especially when you have to start with a new system. And I also think, um, to be fair, I think they were quite close to being like there. Some of these players are quite close. And I think Pereira is going to be a Premier League player next year. Yeah. Um, Same with Johnston. But I just don't think that um, the players were good enough. And it's sort of a point of you could bring in any coach, like you could bring in Sir Alex Ferguson. And I still don't think they would be able to stay up with the way they were playing, like in their form, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah, it's 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 a ma- it was a massive task for him when he came in. To be fair, he, not only, I mean I know people he's done this before and he's come into clubs that are really in trouble and he saved them. But it, I think I don't think he's ever come into a club that were this underprepared for for Premier League football or this you know yeah. like, you know un- under ability for for Premier League. But I think it was a real task for him. Obviously, January came around and he did make the signings that have. Obviously, gone on to leading to better form. You know, Yakushlu. We've got um, Diagne and, and um, of course, Ainsley Met and Niles, you mentioned earlier, and obviously Snodgrass as well, who hasn't played a massive part, but he's still still a signing. Um, do you think those were really good additions, or do you think that they were, you know, at the time that they were sort of short term moves to try and keep us in the league, or would you have preferred maybe to see a younger manager come in instead and and try and build uh, some positive atmosphere ahead of next season? Um, I liked the signings because I think the the midfielders were exactly what we needed. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate that they were loans because I always feel like the thing that dug us this hole is the fact that we had so many loans loan yeah. players last year who who got us to the Premier League and now we're doing virtually the same thing. Mm. Um, but I mean. It's all a matter of would you rather go down swinging and try and um, stay in the Premier League and maybe next year you can adapt again? Yeah. Or or um, if you make that um, appointment of a youth manager, then I think you're pretty much saying, right, we're not planning for this year. We're talking about next year now. And I don't think that's a message you want to send. Um, personally... I think I I liked it. I I don't know. It's just and I like the big strong striker. It's it's interesting because Allardyce seems to know exactly what players he needs to make his teams good. Yeah. Um, and you saw it, and we see it now after the fantastic results back to back we had. Um, how much of a difference him having his players makes. Yeah, I think so. I think that was the thing. I think if you were going to leave, if you're going to sat billet, I think you should have at least left it till maybe January or something. Because if you could keep him and him with his players for so long, and then if you bring somebody like Allardyce in, the first thing he can do when he gets through the door is bring in the ones he wants, rather than having that period where we got beat five and four nil by Leeds and Arsenal, and then Allardyce can bring in his players. I think it was a bit silly how we time things really but obviously Yukushlu and Diagne and, and 
uh, Ainsley Met and Niles have all been really good additions and they've helped us to a bit better form. And that's led to quite a few people being being thinking about um, us, us staying in the division, basically. Obviously, Newcastle uh, winning today has not helped our chances whatsoever. Uh, thanks to Craig Dawson getting himself sent off has not really helped us in that game. Um do you think do you think the possible do you think the impossible might just be possible or do you think it's getting slimmer and slimmer as we as we keep going by? I don't think it's gonna happen. Um now it hurts me to say that, but yeah. um it's too late. It's gonna take a miracle and we needed them if we if West Ham had beaten Newcastle today, I th- I would think maybe just maybe, but um, I'm glad to see we're fighting for it. But I think it's a matter of too little, too late. And these two games that I've got, I, I personally agree. I think, and although it's nice to dream, and although it's nice to be positive, and at least we can try and get out together a better end to the season moving into next season. But I think um, these two games have been really good for us. Obviously, it's been completely different to what we've seen from this team that Big Sam came in and, and played with for, for his first few games and his first period at the club. And obviously, we've just been converting chances like like it wasn't even a problem in the first place. What do you think has gone so well for, for, our, for our team over the past couple of games? It all comes down to uh, shape and how we're pressing. Because the key is, and I've been saying this since Christmas. Yeah. Well, ever, actually, since Deanne came in. Mm-hmm. Um. If you play Diang with Robinson, you got a little bit more attacking presence. And I think um, maybe Robinson's not um, that striker who finishes every chance, although he has been the last couple of yeah. weeks. Um, but he's quick, and quick forwards make defensive players make mistakes. And um, if you look at the pressing that we had against Southampton, we just weren't letting them have anything. Um, we had the phantom offside goal. (laughs) Yeah. And then, but even I was looking, I'm in, you know, a couple of the group chats with the West Brom fans and all that. Mm -hmm. And, um, everybody's saying, well, that's crap. But I was saying, well, it's coming the way we're playing. We're going to score. Yeah. That's what I said. And sure enough, a couple minutes about 15 minutes later, Pereira makes that smart decision to put uh, Forrester in a very um, difficult position because you got to foul him or you give him an empty net, right? So, yeah. So yeah. it was just, it's, they're playing so intel- intelligently. And this is what I was hoping for at the beginning of the season because these are, this was the teams I'm sort of talking about that are that middle ground. Uh, type of team like Southampton is one of them um, where they're probably a better team than us but if we play hard and we try and um, press hard and work harder than they do we can beat them yeah I think it was it's it's definitely about that pressing because uh, all far too often under Big Sam we've actually found ourselves backing off teams like I mean, Sheffield United in that second half of that game that we lost under Allardyce was such a big example of that, where we just sort of let them come at us, and in the end they scored twice. Whereas with Southampton, we're not, we weren't, we weren't sitting back in that game. We were going all. Up, and it was, it was really great to see. Um, 
do you think that for next season, would you perhaps, if well, obviously assuming that we go down to the championship, I think is what uh, what we're saying here. But do you think Big Sam is the man that you want would want to keep on, or is it uh, time for somebody else to come in and do a job? I would like him to stay. Um, I don't think he will, because I think he'll say I'd rather just be available for the next Premier League team who wants to try and stay in the Premier League. But um, personally, I see the signings he's made, and I think he can make a couple more signings. Um, We all painted him with the reputation of being a defensive coach, but I actually don't think he's been that, like, defensive for us, obviously, that Sheffield game. But um, after he brought in all of his players, um, the four of them? Yeah. Um, we have been a way better team, and we haven't been a team who sits behind the ball as often. Um, now, in the Premier League, obviously, you're going to do that against teams like the big clubs like City and all of them. But um, I think keep him... I think that's also the only chance we have of keeping any of these lone players who he's brought in. Um, And I think if we can keep any of those guys, it might be right back up to the Premier League. Yeah, I think obviously he's managed to get those in off his own back. So he's managed to managed to talk with them and say, you know, you're going to come and play for me. I think next season, if he's not there, I don't think you've got much of a chance of keeping the players that he's tried so hard to persuade to come here. I think it would be quite difficult yeah. for a different manager. Um, in terms of, obviously, we t- we'll talk about who's who might stay in, in a little bit, but who'd, who would you... There's a lot of dead wood in our squad. I know it's, it's not a nice thing to say they are footballers and not actual wood or anything, but do you think... Who, who would you get rid of out of this squad? I know there's a lot of contract expiries, but who would you say needs to m- maybe pack their bags and move on from Albion? Well, the first one, and he's already going, so it's good for me. Kieran Gibbs is on yeah. his way out. Um, Branislav Ivanovic, um, I don't know why we signed him. <laughs> yeah. It, he, it just doesn't make sense to me. But um, there's a couple players, I think, even though he's been playing well, I think I'm ready to move on from Matt Phillips. Mm-hmm. Um, cause especially it's sort of a market of, he's been playing well the last couple of weeks. Can you get a decent haul of money from a championship club for him? Mm-hmm. Um, and then move on. But maybe like, obviously we've got a couple strikers still, but that are like on loan, like Austin's still technically our player. I'm fine with him staying at QPR for the rest of his career. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Zahor, another stupid signing. I don't think I ever want to see him in a West Brom shirt again. Um, but generally, I think um, I don't quite get it. I see a couple people saying, should we get rid of Dean Ghana? Should we get rid of Grant? Should we get rid of um, players like that? And those are the type of players who are going to thrive next year in the championship if we're back there. So um, I think it's important that we keep those guys and it's, also important for the are they're marketable like how you market them if you're yeah. going to sell them going forward because right now they're at the lowest of the low cost wise like if we were to sell Diangana this summer we wouldn't make back half what we paid for him yeah. but if he has another good year next year in the championship um 
he could possibly fetch us a whole bunch of money if we're in the Premier League and he succeeds on the second go-around. Yeah, I think yeah, a lot of values are quite low at the moment for our, for our, our team, but there's there's quite a few values that will probably actually be going on, on the up. There's players like Pereira, there's players like Johnston who you don't want to see go at all because they've arguably been a standout. Obviously, yeah. Pereira had his, has had his patches of really good stuff. Johnston's been really consistent. Even somebody like Bartley has really stepped up to the plate. Yeah. Who do you think is going to leave that maybe you wouldn't want to see leave leaving the club in the summer? I think, I think both Pereira and Johnston are going to end up going... Um, I think I think definitely Johnston will go. I don't think there's a question about that one because um, the market form isn't as much right now. I heard seven or eight million for him, which I think is crazy. I think he's worth a lot more than that, but because um, of COVID stuff and like that, um, he'll go. And certainly, there's a team in the Premier League that would want Sam Johnston to be their starting keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, Pereira as well, he's, like you said, he's been on form for the last little bit. Uh, and it's even the thing I've always thought with him, uh, if you put him in a good Premier League team, like an Everton or someone like that, he could really shine. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think he'll probably end up going. I think there's less a chance of him going than Johnston, but I think they probably both wound up on their way out. Um We'll keep Barton Bauer for another year because um, yeah. I think I don't think he's going to get that much of a um, desire from other clubs. Yeah, I think with with Pereira, I think you can because he's young still, relatively. You can still you can price people out of moves for him, but Johnston he's got a year left on his deal after this summer, and that's going to be quite difficult to keep him down to another contract or keep an extension going. I think it's going to be quite difficult. But obviously, we've been watching Premier League football for a while, and we've obviously been watching Championship football last season. And if we were to go down, are there any players that you might like to see us bring in that might be doable transfers? Obviously, you've got the loan players. Feel feel free to pick them. But obviously, are there any other players that you might see want to see bring in? Um, yeah, obviously, I would like to see every single one of those loan players back. Um, first of all, I don't think we'll get. We might get. I think there's the three midfielders, Gallagher, Maitland, Niles, and OK. And I think I'd like to get one of at least one of those three, but I don't really see it happening. Mm. Um, but generally, we're going to go into it next year. I think part of it needs to be we need to stop making loans and start buying players. Um, I'd like to... I don't have particular names where I'm like, yeah, I'd like to sign that guy. Um, but positions, I think I'm ready to move on from Darnell for a long. Yeah. Um, he's, he's had his moments where like he made that cross to get to Robinson on the mm-hmm. Chelsea goal. And he's had a couple moments. Obviously he scored against Newcastle, but I generally just don't think he's good enough to be transitioning into the Premier League. Um, I think that's a right back is something we could could use a new one and um, I would have said left back as well but I think Townsend's really transitioned well yeah um, and I think he'll he can continue on and he's only going to continue to um, get better hopefully um, 
But we're definitely, if we don't sign any of those three midfielders, we're going to need midfielders. Um, and I think a Diang-esque striker would be good for our club because I like playing the way we're doing it right now where we have the two strikers and one's the big hold-up guy and one's sort of a quick, clever sort of striker. And I think um, if it's... Um, if it's a big guy and either Grant or Robinson next year, I think that could be a tandem that could score lots of goals in the championship. Yeah, I think uh, as well, uh, alongside from that, I think I'm, I'm going to agree. Definitely midfield, I think, is definitely a big, especially if we don't sign any of these um, lone players back, which I think is a bit unlikely. I think maybe some, I think Yukushlu at the start of his loan spell, just before he started really ripping the ground up for Albion, I think he might have said, yes, we could get him, but I think he's going to have so much interest because obviously people have been watching him prove his quality and he, he's going to be sought after by quite a few teams. And then yeah. Gallagher maybe for, uh, I've, I've seen 9 million being banded about. It's not that much, but maybe if we're in the championship, it might be a bit, bit undoable. So, Baden, if, if you look at the squad as it is and maybe with a couple of more additions, do you think we could bounce back if we were to go down? Yeah, I definitely do. I think we'll be right back. Yeah, I'm not sure if it will be the next year because I always think it's very difficult to go straight one da- year down and one year back up. But I think next year, um, some of the players who perhaps didn't have the year they wanted to have this year, like Dean Ghana and Grant are going to have something to prove. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to predict because um, when you have something to prove, there's two reactions. You're either going to um, fall apart under the pressure or you're yeah. going to say, you're going to walk into the season with a chip on your shoulder and say, that's not happening again this year. I want to go back up and I want to prove myself. So I'm hoping that's the reaction that we get. And if it is, then surely we're going to bounce right back. And hopefully year, a year or two, we could be right back where we were, are today. Yeah, I think. Not I think in that's, a relegation zone. Yeah, I think that's just something that we can hope for. If we can come back up, then hopefully we can stay up. But we've got a game on Thursday night, which will be a couple of days after this podcast is going to be released. Uh, against Leicester City, uh, that's going to be quite a difficult fixture. Obviously, they're in a little bit of a bad form at the moment with a lot of injuries, Leicester, and we're obviously in good form for once. Uh, Baden, how do you how do you see this game going on Thursday? I think it's it's a draw for me. One um, one is my prediction, and I think I would I'd love to see us win, and I think we're going to be. If we play like Southampton, because I think, like you said, they're in a bit of a vulnerable position at the moment. But yeah, um, I think 1-1, they're still obviously a better club. They're the model that um, the little club needs to follow if they want to start to build because of how well they've spent their money. And obviously, not lucky, but they won, they won the Premier League and that's not going to happen for yeah. a team of their team, uh, quality very often. Um, so, one-one. That's my decision. I'm gonna go for a one-nil win for Albion. I know, I know that might be a bit too optimistic because even with their injuries, I think Leicester 
have still got a better side and a better quality team. But I'm going to go for a 1-0 win for Albion. But Ben, it's been fantastic to have you on the podcast. Obviously, it's been great hearing hearing your thoughts on, on the season so far. Obviously, um, you can go and check out Baden's social media channels and obviously his interview with uh, Pesca Salido via the links in the description. That'll all be available for you. But Baden, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's really been great having you. Of course. Thanks for having me. A massive thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Baggies podcast and a big thank you to Baden from WBA Canada for joining me for this one. It's been a pleasure having you here. Make sure you're following us on all platforms and giving us a nice review on Apple Podcasts if you've enjoyed the episode. Make sure to follow us and make sure to give us a review. As I said, it really does help. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube just to make sure you never miss a podcast. Wherever you're listening from, just make sure you're following because you know if we decide to randomly release a podcast... Make sure that you're available and you know when it's out. And if you follow us on Twitter at The Baggies Pod, that's going to let you know on all the latest podcasts, you'll be able to see guest announcements and the lot. But a massive thank you again for listening to this week's episode. And I'll see you very, very, very soon in the next one. Thank you very much for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye bye.